You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Fantastic. It's so exciting uh, to be opening the Word of God this morning. Uh, It's such a privilege uh, and an honor to be able to do so. Um, For those that have missed the last few weeks here at CLM, make sure you catch up on the podcast. Um, We've been in a two-week series called Preparing a Place, and um, Pastor Martin brought a word last week um, and talking about are we willing, are we willing to begin to prepare a place? We're, We're acknowledging as a church that where God comes and moves, he first prepares a people that are preparing for him. And if you have missed that, uh, Pastor Martin's message or Pastor Esther's, uh, make sure you do catch up on that. It's a, it's a really, really fantastic glimpse and uh, teaching on serving and, and the season we're stepping into as a house. It's a really, really exciting season. If you've just arrived, there is lots going on. We're preparing for our third service coming up the 6th. Is anyone else excited for the 6th? I am personally. I think it's going to be incredible. And, and I know that we're preparing a place for many lost children to come home. And... Um, just so you know as well, there is a place for you. You know, a, pr- a place has already been prepared, but there is a place for you here. Why not turn to your neighbor and say, there is a place for you here. Some people just look at me dead in the face when you ask to turn to your neighbor, you're like, no way. So do catch up on that. I'm not talking on that today. I'm talking on something a little bit different. And uh, the place that I want us to start really is to think about how changing our world is. Everyone know that life changes, right? Life changes. Life can move pretty fast. And we're often quite, you know, we're creatures of habit, really. You know, we we don't really like change. Some of us say we do, say we're quite spontaneous. But, you know, even when we come to church, we know where we sit. When I look at the last time I was up here preaching was actually a few months ago, and I can know, you know, where certain people sit. There's certain faces I actually look to as well because they smile. Some of you just look at me deadpan thinking, when's he going to mess up? But actually, we're creatures of habit, so we come in, and and you might think, actually, I'm going to have a change this morning. I might sit two rows further ahead. (laughs) I might actually, I sit on the right block usually, I might sit on the left. Wow, on a Sunday morning, adventure. But sometimes force is changed upon you. You walk into church thinking, oh, it's going to be a great morning, praise God, hallelujah. Bam, someone sat in your seat. My goodness, the pain, the anger. You bring it before the Lord. Sometimes change is forced upon us. You see, things change all the time. Fashion is something that changes really quickly, right? You know, I say with regret that some of you sat in the room um, might look back in 10 years' time on what you are currently wearing and think, what on earth was I wearing? Why did I do that? You know, like, I don't know how many years ago, I weren't alive when this was the case. But back in the day, flare jeans used to be the style. Wow. Some of you wearing flare jeans don't feel condemned right now. It's fine. They still are. It's just style's personal. But nowadays, it's like the tighter you can get to your leg, the more fashionable it is. And the more holes, the more of your knee that is exposed, the more fashionable. You know, we've got fashion. Hairstyles, another thing that change. You know, um, some, some of you guys, like, you're changing your hair so fast, I don't even know. Like, I can't recognize. Oh, hello, you're new to... Oh, no, you've just changed your hair. And uh, I've also been guilty of this. Um, so just prepare yourselves. This is a picture of me when I was 12. Ah. Ha-ha. All right, all right. Be kind to me, please. 
Wow. So when I was 12, I, you know, I just thought this was the look, man. I was like, I'm going to go to school. The girls are going to love this. Okay, you can't really see from the angle, right? But it was actually like a Mohican, okay? It was really cool. Um, my head is just massive as well, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite, it's quite remarkable, really, my forehead. Um, and, a, and a girl made a really odd, astute observation in my class. Um, she said, Luke, you look exactly like an onion. Okay, if you remove my eyes, my nose, and my mouth, I look like an onion. It's really true. Okay, you can get rid of that picture. Thank you. Yeah, if we dug out old children's photos, let's see, you know. So things change quickly. We grow up, we change as well. You know, I eventually moved from that, and I had the Bieber cut, okay, Justin Bieber. The girls loved him. He had no musical talent, so I thought, what can I do? Okay, the I'll get my hair cut like him. So I grew my hair, and my mom always used to tell me off, remember, because the Bieber cut was quite, like, long, and she used to tell me off because I always used to flick my hair like this all the time. <laughs> things change. We might change where we live. We might change the jobs that we have, or the car that we drive, or the sports that we play, or the team that we play for. The weather changes quickly. But there can be some serious changes that affect all of our lives. And you may have been on some of the end of some serious hurt because of a change in someone. Someone's behavior towards you or your family just begins to drastically change. And you know, those, those horrible words that you never really want to hear is, you've changed. What's going on? You've changed. Sometimes a loved one becomes really sick, and that changes our whole life. Sometimes they can pass away, and, and it breaks our heart. Children grow up and move on. Redundancy can come. And all of us right now will know um, and will be involved and affected in varying degrees because Brexit looms. Brexit looms, and things are already beginning to change, but there is lots of speculation about what this will look like, what this will mean for business, what this will mean for our economy, and ultimately how it will affect us as people. And there's lots of speculation about the change that will come and what will happen. And, and the reality is, hopefully you get the picture I'm painting, life is changing, right? The world is changing. It can feel pretty uncertain. Life is about as certain as the weather. And like most stories where God is left out in the picture that I've just painted, it can feel quite hopeless. You know, it can feel very uncertain and it can feel us leaving massively anxious. It can give us a sense of despair because we want control. We so want to be able to control the change, but so much of this change is outside of our control. But the incredible truth that I want us to grasp just a little bit deeper today and understand just a little more is that our God is unchanging. The world is changing, the world is uncertain, but our God is unchanging. He is the same. No external circumstance is gonna change our God. How wonderful. We so often hear about it or sing about it, but church, when we begin to grasp this a little more in our lives, the way we view ourselves, our current circumstances, our futures, the way in which we read the word of God, it all begins to change. And if you're making notes today, the title of my message is simply this, The Unchanging One. The Unchanging One. And we can find this as a theme throughout much of scripture, but my focus verse today is from Hebrews 13, verse 8. And it simply says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
Why not say it with me after three? One, two, three. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There is a specific context to this passage around church teachers and also around finance that I'm not going to explore today, but the principle remains true and its articulation for me is wonderful. I love this. I love repeating this to myself. Even this week, it's just, it's just lifted something in my spirit as I've been able to dwell upon this truth. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Greek word for today could be translated as right now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and right now and forever. Right now in this moment, Jesus is the same. And this is not just the Jesus, it's not just Jesus in the Godhead that is consistent and unchanging. Right at the beginning of the book of Hebrews, the writer makes it abundantly clear that Jesus is God. Jesus is divine. Jesus is fully man, and yet he is fully God, and he paints this wonderful picture, and you can read that in Hebrews 1. And I'm not going to jump into the theology of the Trinity, but to say, when we read this, we are well within our right to say, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is the unchanging one. Our God is the unchanging one. Malachi 3, 6 God himself says, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. He is the unchanging one. God is consistent to his word. He is consistent to his character, to his will and his ways. The world around us may be changing, but he never does. He never does. Okay, but so what, Luke? So what? The world is changing, and this is where I live, and this is my reality, and it's all uncertain. And Jesus, he is the same yesterday and forever, but what on earth does that mean for my life? And that's what I want us to understand a little bit today. He is our God, and we are his people. And so this does change everything. We are his sons and daughters on earth, and so when your dad is the unchanging one, it has an impact on your life. It has an impact on your life. So what does this mean for the people of God? And my first point today is that we are a people of promise. We are a people of promise. Say it with me. We are a people of promise. A people of promise. What does that mean? Well, you choose to trust someone. You choose to trust their word, not simply based on their ability to try and convince you or how great or nice or fluffy the promise might sound. Our first thought always when it comes to whether to trust someone is to evaluate, is this person trustworthy? Is this person going to keep their word? What is their track record like? Are they going to do what they say that they're going to do? If someone's let you down in the past, then really when they say something, it's a bit like, "Mm." it reduces their word. And and really, you'll be uncertain and you'll think, no, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to trust that. People can make false promises and break our hearts. But one of the incredible impacts of our God being the unchanging one is that his word never fails. His word never fails. He is a covenant-making God, and he is a promise-keeping God. And one of the problems in us understanding this in our fallen world and in our fallen humanity is that so many times we just say loose comments and promises slip off the tongue. We overpromise and underdeliver. 
for the sake of ourselves or for someone else's benefit, so many times we fall into saying untrue things. From someone as small as saying when someone texts you like, where are you? You're like five minutes away. Knowing full well, you've, like, they've just woken you up with the text. Like you're running out of bed. And then you walk in, you walk in 25 minutes later. Oh, the traffic was crazy. Traffic was crazy. Because like, we want to protect ourselves. We want to protect our ego. So false things just begin to slip off our tongue. Maybe someone asks you to do something and they look at you with sad eyes. And you're thinking, I'm going to say yes, but really, I'm, on the day, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, oh, I'm, I'm too tired, I'm really, really busy. But they look you in the face and say, can you help me with that? And you say, yes. And it's, a, it's easier to say yes, and then a week later, let them down on text. Yeah, some people are feeling it. <laughs> we give in to the pressure of a moment and say yes when we should say no, or say no and give some dead excuse when really our response should and could have been Yes. But our God is in no way like this church. If he says something, he will do it. We believe the words of God because he is trustworthy. We see throughout the Old Testament that this marked the people of God, that they were a people of promise, that they took him at his word. Noah took God at his word and was obedient in building the ark before the rain started to fall. Abraham left his homeland behind for a place that he had never been or seen at the words and promise of God. Moses returned and led a whole people out of slavery and bondage and fought his inadequacies at God's word. Joshua led two million people into a land filled with the enemies of God because he taught God at his word. And these are just a few examples in the lives of these individuals and a few examples of men and women of faith throughout the word of God who saw God as trustworthy and took him at his word. I love what it says in Joshua 21. It says this, Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. And the question is not will he keep his promise, but will we be a people of promise? Will we, be, will we build our lives on the promises of God? The unchanging one will not go back on his word. And it will not return to him void. That is the truth of scripture. So in this changing world, I say I will build my life on the promises of God. Because he is trustworthy. He did it yesterday and he will do it right now and he will be trustworthy forevermore. That is my God. That is the God that we serve. And that is the wonderful reality because for every problem in our changing world, there is a promise of God. And 2 Corinthians tells us that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So when I feel a sense of condemnation, I trust him when he says there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven. I trust him at his word when he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have your transgressions been removed from you. I trust and I rest in that. I will say I am forgiven because I take you at your word, God. When I feel separate or distant, I know his promise is that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. When we are gripped by anxiety, we can say, Jesus, you said you are the prince of peace. You give peace that surpasses understanding and you will guard my heart and mine in Christ Jesus. When the weight is too much, in my life and, and I'm feeling heavy hearted and burdened, the promise is that I can cast my burdens upon him because he cares for me. He cares for you. 
When sadness overwhelms, I seek to know his presence again because his promise is that there is joy in his presence forevermore. I can know the joy of God when I know God has called me, but the road feels tough and I'm not sure where I'm heading and I'm questioning God. The truth is that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are higher than mine and I will not lean on my own understanding because I can trust him. And that's not, that's not just true for me, church. That is true for you. When you feel like sin is winning, you can remind yourself that I will not be tempted beyond what I can bear. And that Jesus is the victorious king triumphing over sin and shame and death on the cross. Church, we're a people of promise and we've got to remind ourselves of these things. He hasn't changed his mind, church. He is the God of promise. He is the promise keeper and we are the people of promise. Secondly, because he is the unchanging one, we are a people of hope. We are a people of hope. When my confidence is in his promise, as I rest on Jesus in his unchanging ways, I begin to know and understand that my today and my tomorrow is secure in him. Hope literally just means a joyful expectation of good or a confident expectation. And church, how this should mark our lives how this should mark our lives because of our unchanging God. In a shaken world where many are looking for certainty or grasping for something stable, people are sinking in the worries and troubles of this world. And we can point them to the rock of Jesus Christ, the one that never changes, the one that gives us a hope that anchors our soul as the wind and the waves come. The church is not blind to what is happening in the world but the, world, the, the news will not fill us with fear and despair. We are conscious to the changing world. We are living in this changing world. We will be the hands and feet to this changing and uncertain world, but we will do it with hope in our hearts. We will do it with hope in our hearts because the same Jesus that came to bind the brokenhearted and set the captives free and bring freedom for the prisoners is the same Jesus alive and at work today, in and through the people of God. This is why we are people of hope, because we carry a message of hope. We can stand in this uncertain and cha changing world, and we can say there is more. There is hope. There is a God that will never change. There is a God that is not a man, and he will not lie. He will not change his mind. He will not go back on his promises. The same Jesus alive and at work today through his spirit, through his people. Church, we're a people of hope. Do we believe it or not? We are a people of hope. We are hope to this dying world. For some of us, we feel like maybe our children or our relatives are, are, are too far gone. We're thinking, God, how can there be hope in this situation for them? They don't know you and I've prayed for years and years. And I say to you again this morning, do not give up hope. It might seem like things have gone a little further, but Jesus stays the same. He is not burdened with worry. Something hasn't just happened that he thinks, oh no, I've missed it. I've missed my opportunity. He's the unchanging one. And we are his people of hope. We are people of hope because we believe our God is a miracle working God. He is a way making God. I sing that with such passion because there is hope in my heart that Jesus is alive and at work today. He is moving. Our God is still a healer. He is still a restorer. He is still a redeemer. He was, 
thousands of years ago. He is right now and he always will be. And that is the truth of our God. Even in our darkest moments, there is hope. And allow me to just read a story from Max Lucado's book, Unshakable Hope, that really put this into context for me about hope in our darkest moment. It says this, the depression of the 1930s all but devastated Mary Cushman's family. Her husband's average paycheck shrank to $18 a week. Since he was given to illness, there were many weeks he didn't even earn that much. She began to take in laundry and ironing. She dressed the five kids with Salvation Army clothing. At one point, the local grocer to whom they owed $50 accused her 11-year-old son of stealing. And that was all she could take. And she writes in a diary, I couldn't see any hope. I shut off my washing machine, took my little five-year-old daughter into the bedroom, and plugged up the windows and cracks with paper and rags. I turned on the gas heater we had in the bedroom and didn't light it. As I lay down on the bed with my daughter beside me, she said, Mommy, this is funny. We just got up a little while ago, but I said, never mind. We'll take a little nap. Then I closed my eyes, listening to the gas escape from the heater. I shall never forget the smell of that gas. Suddenly, I thought I heard music. I listened. I'd forgotten to turn the radio off in the kitchen. It didn't matter now, but the music kept on, and presently, I heard someone singing an old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. As I listened to that hymn, I realized that I had made a tragic mistake. I tried to fight all my terrible battles alone. I jumped up, turned off the gas, opened the door, and raised the windows. She goes on to explain how she spent the rest of the day giving thanks to God for the blessings she had forgotten. Five healthy children, she promised she would never again be ungrateful. They eventually lost their home, but she never lost her hope. They weathered the depression. Those five children grew up, married, and had children of their own. And Mary again writes this, as I look back on that terrible day when I turned on the gas, I thank God over and over that I woke up in time. What joys I would have missed, how many wonderful years I would have forfeited forever. When I now hear of someone who wants to end their life, I feel like crying out, don't do it, don't do it. The blackest, blackest moments we live through can only last a little time. Then comes the future. And Max says this in summary, do what the people of promise do. What the people of hope do, keep coming to Jesus even though the trail is dark, even though the sun seems to sleep, even though everyone else is silent, walk to Jesus. You'll be tempted to give up and walk away, but don't, even when you don't feel like it, keep walking the trail to Jesus. Open your Bible, meditate on scripture, sing hymns, talk to other believers, place yourself in a position to be found by Jesus. Weeping comes, it comes to all of us. Heartache leaves us with tear-streaked faces and heavy hearts. Weeping comes, but so does joy. Darkness comes, but so does the morning. Sadness comes, but so does hope. Sorrow may have the night, but it cannot have our lives. 
Sorrow may have the night, but it cannot have my life. Church, we are a people of hope because our God is unchanging. The same God that pulled Mary out of that awful place is the same God that comes to you in your moment of despair. You are loved, you are needed, you are known by the Almighty. Your life is worth something more than you could ever imagine. Church, there is hope. There is hope in this life and in our unchanging God. And we have the promise of life forevermore. Our citizenship is in heaven. The hope of the earth comes and it goes. But the hope of King Jesus, the hope of our King, it never fades. Our hope is steadfast. It is eternal. It goes beyond the grave. That is the truth we have in Jesus today. I haven't got time to fully unpack that, but it's a wonderful truth that we are citizens of heaven. Wow, one day I will see him and be like him. One day he will wipe away every tear. He will restore what has been broken. I will be in his presence forevermore. That is the promise of my unchanging God. Church, we're a people of promise. We're a people of hope. And finally, because our God is unchanging, we are a people of praise. We are a people of praise. Amen? Because our God is the same yesterday and forever, he is worthy of praise. Hebrews 12, verse 28 says, I love this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We serve an unshakable king and an unshakable kingdom. And our only appropriate response is to worship him with reverence and awe. When everything else is changing around me, I look to the unchanging one and say, you are good. God, you are good. You have always been good. My circumstance may have changed, but the proclamation of my mouth will not. Jesus, you have never changed. You have never left me. You have never forsaken me. And some of us today, we're allowing the circumstance of our life. And I know some people are walking through some heavy and dark things, but you're allowing the circumstance of life to steal the praise from your lips. And today I want to encourage you to take off a garment of despair and put on a garment of praise again because the people of God are a people of praise. Are a people of praise. God, my circumstance may have changed, but you have not. When we begin to look again from the world and look to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, the one who began the work and will see it to completion, we begin to look to God and see his promise. We look to God and hope begins to rise. And in that place, I can only praise him. I can only praise him. Church, don't let your situation dictate your proclamation. Put on praise today. He is still worthy. He is still in control. He is still good. He is still merciful. He is still holy. This is the unchanging one. I want to finish today, this morning, with my family's story. To share just how Jesus is still in the business of restoring and redeeming. How our unchanging God has been the rock in my life and transformed my family. So my mom was 16 when my sister was born and my dad was just a few years older. And while still wanting to honor my grandparents, it's fair to say that both of my parents grew up around high levels of dysfunction in their homes and brokenness. And, and they pursued the only thing 
things only to be found in God, in people, and in the world. And so here my parents are, so young, knew nothing of the love of God, unmarried, and were sinking in this unpredictable, changing world. And now they had two children. By the time I was one, my dad was in prison for a short time. He was involved in a lot of destructive things, especially around drugs. And my mom had made a decision that she didn't want this around her children. She knew nothing of the love of God, but she, she, she knew she needed to protect her children. And so my parents separated for a number of years while we were still young. And my dad was trying to sort through some of that brokenness in his life and was still loving on us. And we got to see my dad on the weekends. But they were separated. And my mom... You know, she was fiercely loving and protective, but was, was looking for a glimpse of hope in this world and, and would, would look to the horoscopes and would go to clairvoyance for, for a glimpse of tomorrow. Tell me something good about my tomorrow. And so this is how it continued. And while my parents were separated, my mom started taking myself and my sister to church. You know, here's a woman in her early 20s. She wants the best for her children, so she hears that to get us into a good secondary school, we need to go to church. And so she starts taking us along to church. And here's lots of nice things. Me and my sister love it. We get free biscuits. What's not to love? And we hear about this Jesus. We hear about this God. And while this is going on, my parents still being separated, my dad falls really, really sick. And being a stubborn man, he didn't go to the, the, the doctors for a long time. And um, he basically had tuberculosis that had just consumed one of his lungs. And he was admitted to hospital. And the doctor said to him, in, in, in my dad's own words, the doctor said to him, he said, if this doesn't kill you, the treatment is going to kill you. And my dad said he, did, he, he knew that my mom was going to church with, with his kids, but knew nothing of God really. But he said while he was in hospital, he called out to God. He called out to God. And he said that he, what he would now say is God, he felt speak to him and say, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you another go. This wonderful Jesus. My dad didn't even know his love, didn't know his grace, and yet experienced it in that moment. And those of you that know my dad today know that he's not dead. Know that the doctor was lying. <laughs> that Jesus is still in the business of healing even for those that are far off and don't know him as Lord and Savior, he pulled him from the miry clay and set his feet on a solid rock. So my parents are still separated. My dad's recovering. And me and my sister are going to Sunday school and hearing about a Jesus that answers prayers. And so what is the one prayer that we're praying? We're praying that mom and dad would get back together, that they would be back together again. And within a year, my mom got a mystery illness and she couldn't turn to anyone else and so she had to begrudgingly call my dad. And my dad came and he nursed her to health and he looked after us as kids and, and that sparked again their relationship. And they got back together again and, and he wanted to do anything he could to be there for his family, show his love for his family, started coming along to church with us. And while they were there, still not knowing, still having encountered Jesus as Lord, the word of God began to speak to them. 
And some things that were out of whack, some things with their finances, some things that were going on that were a bit iffy, they began to put in line because they were hearing it from the Word of God. And one of those things was about marriage. When I was eight years old, my parents got married. Praise God. There's so much to thank God for in this. And when we, my parents were signing the register, myself and my sister, we stood at the front of the church. And at my parents' request, we sang, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. We didn't even fully know it yet, but something within their hearts resonated that this Jesus they were hearing about was their Savior, was their wonderful Savior. So I was eight, my sister was 11, my parents got married. Such a beautiful moment in my life. Two years later, my parents went away on a weekend away with the church and had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. And I saw, I began to see the change again, again in my parents. My dad from someone that was living in a cycle of brokenness and, and trying his best, but, but was an angry man. So much brokenness going on, so, so much hurt that was being outworked, God completely transformed his life. God changed his life. It, my, my parents are at the back and I want to honor them that they are incredible parents. They have sacrificed so much. But if you meet them today, that story might not match up. Why? Because Jesus is still in the business of resti- re- restoring and still in the business of redeeming. I came to this church when I was 12 years old because my parents didn't want them to have to, my, myself and my sister, to walk the perils of, of the teenage years that they had to. And they wanted us to find a vibrant community. And so we started coming here. Within a few years, my parents started pastoring the youth. Wow, look, what has God done? Who is this Jesus? And my, myself and my sister had to make decisions for ourselves. But by the grace of God, I can say my parents are here in this church serving and loving Jesus. My sister and her husband are here in this church serving and loving Jesus. And and me, I am here in this church serving and loving Jesus because he is unchanging. This same Jesus. Can I invite the rest of the band to come and to close this morning? Church, the world is changing. It is uncertain. But my hope is built on nothing less than this wonderful Jesus. I pray today has been a reminder for many of us who are in Christ that because of the steadfastness and unchanging nature of our wonderful God, there is hope. We can rest in his promises and we can praise him. If you've never made a decision to follow this Jesus and you know you need this, I want to encourage you to come forward as Mark and the band leaders today. You might not have had all your questions answered, but you know you can't sit here today or stand here today and go another day in this uncertain and unchanging world without a rock and a hope and an anchor for your soul. Let me tell you, Jesus can be that for you. He is still in the business of restoring and redeeming this same Jesus. The same Jesus that restored and is restoring my family is the same Jesus that can work in your life. Church, I stand here by the grace of God alone and I am so thankful for my wonderful Savior. I am so, so thankful. And I pray that even as we worship now, that there just might be an expression of this thanks to our unshakable King. Can I invite us to stand to our feet this morning?
why not begin to just close your eyes and maybe just speak out your thanks to God. Speak out thanks for who He is, that He is your certainty. Maybe today you might have lost hope, but today you say, Jesus, you are my hope. Jesus Christ, you are the same yesterday and forever. Lord, you never change. My circumstance will not dictate my praise. Church, let's begin to praise Him and thank Him for who He is. Lord, there is hope in you. Lord, I will stand on your promises. For those of us that get a feeling that we are gripped by anxiety that will never leave us, I speak the peace of God over you right now. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray, would you come and have your way again. Lord, we celebrate and rejoice in everything that you are. In your mighty name, Jesus.